0: But I went to a Starbucks my first day after shaving my head, and there was a woman that was working there, and she had a, the same haircut. And I was curious because she wasn't wearing a mask, and so I was like, is it cancer, is it not? And she went, and when she handed me my coffee, we made eye contact. And you know when you make eye contact with someone and it lights your soul on fire? You just have that innate moment? And she looked me in the eyes with the deepest level of compassion, and she said, nice haircut. And I felt so empowered that in that moment I left and I was like, I will never wear a wig. I will never pretend that I'm not struggling because I've spent the last 37 time years of my life pretending like everything was OK. And
1: if, that's deep. Like, I will never pretend like I'm not struggling. Why? And
0: on top of that, it gives other people permission to give me the care that I was yearning for, to acknowledge that I was sick because I became really good at the facade. I became really good at pretending like I wasn't sick. And so for me, I chose it to be like, I have a little sign in my desk that just says handle with care. And so after Starbucks, I went to Staples, and I realized that I could choose to experience the looks that people give me as, oh, they feel sorry for me, or I can choose to experience it as them saying, handle with care
1: the most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation! in this episode, I continue my conversation with Christine Buhmann. Uh This is part two. If you missed the last one, go back and listen to it. Uh, we just talk about how her diagnosis, how she's chosen to fight this cancer. In this episode, we talk more about sort of the mindset, the emotions behind it. We talk about the difference between being activated and triggered. We talk about how her choice to not wear a wig, even though she was planning to get one because she didn't want people to know that she wasn't struggling. So don't pretend that you're not struggling. I thought that was just such a powerful line that she shared with me. Have a listen to this, man. And and I'm telling you, if you know Christine, shoot her a note, give her some encouragement, send her some love. She's an amazing person and so brave to come on and share what she's going through. And, And you guys know, you're in the mortgage space. We know lots of people. If you haven't been affected by this, probably somebody in your family has or will be. And I think that these discussions are important, even though it's not mortgage related, I think that this is this is just life and Christine's mindset of how she's dealing with this is just unbelievable to me. Now, before I get into that, I gotta give a shout out to health sponsor. It feels weird actually even talking about a sponsor after that sort of intro, but I'm obviously out of respect for our partners who help us produce this. I do wanna make sure that I give a shout out to FINMO, so FINMO is a Canadian mortgage application document collection submission platform designed specifically for Canadian borrowers. And it's super easy to use, it's very simple, it's very intuitive for the borrower as well as a broker and it's connected to Lender Spotlight, which is a fantastic tool for searching rates and guidelines. Check them out at lendas.com slash finmo and check out this uh, conversation I have with Christine. There was something you said there about your emotions. So like, give me an example of like how you process your emotions now, you know, now that you've gone to this experience or in this experience versus before. So I agree that's something I've been thinking a lot about lately is like, why do I feel that? And where do I feel that? And what is that? I'm trying to become more self-aware of even my emotions. But so how are you doing that?
0: It's been a tough one for me because I am very experienced, compartmentalizing things and mm-hmm. dealing with them along. So an example for me would be anger. So there's a very direct link and a lot of studies that show a lot of women who experience breast cancer have a complicated relationship with anger. Women specifically do. So if you see a man who gets frustrated and angry, you're thinking, oh, that man's experiencing a specific emotion. If you take that same emotion and you put it on a woman, then the world views her differently. So Um, in my experience, women have been trained to repress that emotion and to not allow it to be shown on the outside. And so often when we repress it, it comes out as something different. And in my experience and what I'm learning about myself is that it often comes out as sadness. So then I'm like, I'm really sad or I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling depressed. And then having to look back and think, am I though, or am I just pissed off? And can right. I allow space to be angry? And where can I find that safe space to allow the emotions to come through me and to recognize them? So and not only is am I recognizing that emotion, it's the why. Because most often, again, it's not the actual reason that it looks like from the outside. Oftentimes, there are layers and layers of that onion that are creating that feeling. And so for me, it's more, we are not our feelings. We are witnessing or experiencing them. And I've been talking about that for a long time with my kids of, I see that you're choosing sadness. Oh, I see that you're choosing joy. And so every day, I tend to have to choose joy because I do believe we have the power to choose those emotions. Um, And then when we start to experiencing them, just becoming really deeply curious. And like you said, where do you feel it in your body? I didn't realize that my face would get really hot and my hands would get like kind of clammy. And after doing all of the work that I've been doing, one day I was like, that is a symptom of anger. So perhaps I'm right. actually, here, but I'm not allowing myself to really.
1: Right, sit. you're just putting a big smile face on, and yeah, I heard something the other day on a podcast, and they said you can ignore a thought, but you can't ignore an emotion. Which I was like, oh, this is there's, there was something there. I was like, this is actually kind of deep because a thought, oh, that's just a random thought, you know, you're thinking it, but an emotion is something deeper, and you have to, you know, start paying more attention to it and ask questions. And yeah, that's really interesting.
0: I think for people like us, it serves me best to view emotions as messengers. Because I think those of us who are trying to reconnect with our bodies and just really understand our emotions, it's like, what is this one here for? Oh, okay. This is sadness. And I found myself in a few situations where I feel activated. I don't necessarily use the word trigger, but I feel activated by something and someone will give me advice or say something. And now I'm starting to get to the point where I'll say, I'm feeling really activated by your comments. So my initial response is to defend, and I'm learning about myself when I feel really defensive you're probably onto something. So I'm feeling activated. I'm feeling defensive. I'm going to put a pin in this conversation, but I'm going to note that it's a important right. one feeling is not a calm, peaceful one where I feel confident to respond from a resource place. You know,
1: you know what uh, I like? You're very precise with your language. You're very thoughtful with your language. You're choosing like the fact that you chose activated and not triggered. The word triggered actually bothers me because it's like, it means that you can pull my trigger and I have no ability to like, oh, I'm just triggered. So wait a second. No, I get to choose my own. Like in that case, you're feeling something, but you're instead of saying you're triggering me, you're saying I'm going to put a pin in this. I'm going to step away from this conversation because so it's saying you still have agency in the situation, which that's powerful. That's really powerful. And I think, you know, more people need to think that way and not be like the world is pulling my trigger. Now you have to it's like wait a second, we get to re- choose how we respond. But what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I use it for that same reason. And really, it's about recognizing that it's okay to be activated. It's okay Mm -hmm. that we all have these histories. I mean, most of us are overcoming trauma or are processing some sort of childhood or early adulthood experience that we may not have had the resources to at the time. And so most often when we feel activated, it's actually not in that moment the reason that it probably looks on the outside like it is. So I think giving yourself the space to pause, it's the notes between the music, you know, that you can say. Right. And then having a safe enough place that the other person says, well, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I see that you feel activated and I will give you the space to resource yourself. Mantra that I created in my mind and that I use often is resource, not reply. Resource, not reply. Because what I'm learning about myself is that if I reply immediately when I feel activated. What do you mean by
1: resource? Okay, I like this idea, but explain to me by resource versus reply.
0: So for me, I feel most resourced when I'm calm, when I'm not repeating, I log in my head. Oftentimes, I will create a story and I'll say the story I'm telling myself. And then I will actually have that conversation in my head before it comes out. And that conversation is less than positive, less than kind. And the defensiveness is the biggest one for me that if I feel like I'm defending myself, since I was really young, and I think you and I have talked about this before, every day I've told myself, speak without offending, listen without defending. And so since I was like 15, I think I heard that on Oprah, that's been a really important part of my life. And so when I feel myself defending, then that's sort of an indication that I need to take a deep breath and regulate my nervous system. So I would say for me, resourcing myself would be really having a regulated nervous system and being thoughtful with my word choices and also with the entire situation. So am I responding out of frustration? And I'm more likely to say something in a way that I'm not intending to, if I haven't taken a moment to really digest it, and because I have a really high sense of urgency, I want to get those words out and I want to get those feelings out. And it's my experience. It's not always as helpful right away.
1: Right. I like that a lot. Okay. So another thing I want to ask you about is, so we were talking about this portrait on the recorder is that sometimes when people see someone that has no hair or they're going through chemo, we don't know how to respond. So how would you, as somebody who's in this situation, how's the best way to respond to people and not you know, I'm not even sure how to ask this question, so feeling awkward. So, thank God you're going to resource this and not just reply. So, please resource my question so that other people here can understand, that, like how they can be empathetic but also not weird, right?
0: It's a great question, and I'm so glad that you asked it because I think a lot of people share that same experience, and as did I prior to having cancer or navigating cancer. And it's uncomfortable to look at people who are going through chemo. That's the bottom line. Really being honest with ourselves, most of us experience a discomfort when you see someone who has no hair or eyebrows or eyelashes. So I'll just take a step back and then I'll respond to the question just so that you can maybe have a little bit of insight into my experience. I have obviously long brown hair, loved my hair and often hid behind my hair. I'm learning now. And that was probably the part that I was most nervous about. I also have can struggle with overconfidence in things. And so I genuinely thought that I may be that one person who didn't lose their hair. And I went like cut it a little bit more, cut a little bit more and then went to a pixie cut for a little while. And prior to the pixie cut, I was in the shower and just clumps and clumps of hair started falling out and just devastated me because to me, it was a representation of the struggle. I was. Prior to that, no one would have really known I was going out and about. And I mean, I was still obviously not feeling well, but most people were sort of viewing it doing me as somebody who maybe had a cold or so as I started to lose my hair and that was a whole journey in itself I had to shed the importance that I put on physical appearance for starters and I had to choose my experience differently instead of feeling sorry for myself because that was really easy to do. And your face gets really puffy with steroids. I'm pale, no eyelashes, no eyebrows. Other than this little bit screwing back, I've been bald completely for quite some time. And I realized that going out and about, people treat you with a different quality of care. And so I bought a bunch of wigs and I had imagined that I was going to live in a different way. You don't know until you're actually there. But I went to a Starbucks my first day after shaving my head, and there was a woman that was working there, and she had the same haircut. And I was curious because she wasn't wearing a mask. And so I was like, is it cancer? Is it not? And she went and when she handed me my coffee, we made eye contact. And you know, when you make eye contact with someone and it lights your soul on fire, you just have that innate moment. And she looked me in the eyes with the deepest level of compassion. And she said, nice haircut. And I felt so empowered that in that moment I left and I was like, I will never wear a wig. I will never pretend that I'm not struggling because I've spent the last 37 at the time years of my life Pretending like everything was okay. And
1: that's deep. Like I will never pretend like I'm not struggling. And
0: on top of that, it gives other people permission to give me the care that I was yearning for. To acknowledge that I was sick. Because I became really good at the facade. I became really good at pretending like I wasn't sick. And so for me, I chose it to be like, I have a little sign in my desk that just says handle with care. And so after Starbucks, I went to Staples and I realized that I could choose to experience the looks that people give me as, oh, they feel sorry for me, or I can choose to experience it as them saying, handle with care. And so I was confusing fragile with weakness. Mm. And I had to disconnect in my mind those two concepts and say, it's okay to be fragile and to be... You know, imagine that you're shipping something to your friend and you write handle with care. It doesn't necessarily mean even that it's fragile or that it's breakable or that there's anything wrong with it. Just literally means that you want the person who's holding the package to handle it with care. And right. so that's how I'm viewing my appearance right now is just handle me with care.
1: Right. And it could also mean it's valuable. You handle things with care that are valuable, which is another person's emotions, another person's heart wherever they are and the number of times you use the word choose this whole conversation choose you know choosing the experience like that is so crazy and then the other phrase that you use was navigating cancer which people would say i have cancer or can't like and your choice of language is like unreal so if you have a cognitive decline i call bullshit on it because i don't see it at all maybe you can't go for eight hours a day but you certainly we you have it with me in the moment
0: I had an interesting experience when I first found out that I had cancer, but I didn't know what kind It would be brain cancer because that does run in my family as well. And I went to this natural healer and she said to me, you just don't have an energy of someone with cancer. So she said, I would suggest that you don't actually have the energy of someone who enjoys fighting or conflict. Because I was really struggling with the concept of like, I'm going to fight cancer. I'm going to kick its ass. You know, I'm in for the fight of my life. I can fight and I can, you know, I can make my way through, but I don't feel as though that's something I connect with. And she said, I feel for you that you're going to love your body so much that the cancer can't survive. And so I'm trying to say, like, wow, thank you, cancer. Thank you for coming into my world and for whatever message you've been trying to share with me, because I obviously was neglecting the messages that my body was sending to me. And it got to the point that it had to scream. My body had to say, Something is wrong. (laughs) Pay attention
1: to muscle through it or just put on a big smiley face and just be like, everything's good and yeah. All right. Thanks again for listening to this episode with Christine. If you haven't already go back and listen to the first one, there's another one coming part three of our discussion where we talk more about her mortgage business and some of the things that she's learned and picked up from having to step way back from her business. And she was very involved in her business. It has runs a fantastic business for many, many years and we talk about that in this last episode and again if you know Christine send her a note send her some love I think that would be amazing and if you know someone else that's going through this kind of struggle to like take a moment send them a note send them an email a video something just them you're thinking about them and uh this is some heavy stuff but Christine is a fighter and I am really looking forward to the day that she can put this behind her and you know we can come back on and talk about open banking and all the other crazy stuff that we've talked about in the past thanks again for listening